Hello and welcome back to another episode of Able's Abstracts, the podcast where we abstract away the complexity of building products for the next generation of the web. My name is Abel Tedros and I'll be your host today as we dive into today's episode. So today I have a very special guest with me. Um, his name is Bryce. Hello, Bryce, and welcome to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm soon to be here. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. So we have Bryce, as we mentioned in not the previous episode, but the episode before that, where we spoke about doing a DeFi weekly catch up. Bryce is from a company called Monolith and Monolith is offering the DeFi bank account of the future. It's essentially a non-custodial wallet attached to a Visa debit card that allows you to spend ETH and ERC20 tokens. I'm super excited to have you on, Bryce. Thank you so much for coming. And yeah, let's let's kick us off into our DeFi weekly catch-up. Yeah, and we we definitely have a lot to discuss considering all the events that happened just like the last week. So do you want to get us started? Maybe with uh, we had a very interesting release coming from Zerion. You want to tell us more about it? Yes, I can. Yeah, so this is super interesting. So Zerion launched a DeFi SDK. And just for the folks who don't know what this is or, or how this works or even what Zerion is, maybe it might be a good idea to give some context in terms of what Zerion is and uh, what this new SDK is. So if I could put it as simply as possible, Zerion is the gateway to the world of decentralized finance. You can manage your DeFi portfolio across multiple different protocols all in one place. So you have the ability to lend and earn. You can lend your assets out passively and earn about 5% per year via Compound. Or you can trade crypto. You can buy and sell any token and manage your portfolio via Kyber, Uniswap and 0x. And you can also borrow stablecoins. You can use your crypto as collateral to borrow stablecoins via Maker and Compound. So these are the kind of three main actions that you would do in the DeFi ecosystem and Xeron has essentially aggregated all of that into one interface so you can lend, earn, trade crypto, borrow stablecoins, all of this stuff under one interface. So that's what Xeron is and over the past year new DeFi protocols are popping up almost every day. Uniswap, MakerDAO, Compound, Bancor, 0x, Aave, Gnosis Protocol, Set Protocol, Synthetics, Uma, you know the list goes on. The DeFi ecosystem is growing at what feels like breakneck speed. Now, this is exciting because it means that more and more financial products that were previously only accessible to a select few are now globally accessible. But as you can imagine, that comes with a lot of challenges. Mainly if you're a dApp developer, a wallet developer, it's hard to keep up or even integrate with all of these new protocols natively. You know, Zerion, for example, they integrated with a lot of these protocols natively and they spent a lot of time researching the ins and outs of each protocol, you know, thinking about the UX and how it fits into their interface and, you know, developing the back end and the front end for all of their clients, web, iOS and Android. But what they realized is that to keep up with all of the growth that goes on in a DeFi ecosystem, you know, all these new DeFi protocols popping up, they need to think about a more scalable way of approaching integrations with DeFi protocols. And so that's why they've launched DeFi SDK. DeFi SDK is an open source set of smart contracts that makes it easier for dApp developers and wallet developers to integrate DeFi protocols into their products. You know, integrating DeFi protocols used to be a case where you have to manually integrate each and every protocol into your product. But with DeFi SDK, it's super simple. You know, you have a single library that you're able to interact with and you're able to get access to 17 or more of the top DeFi protocols in the space at the moment. Now, 
This is great for Zerion, of course, because it means that they have a new scalable approach for how they integrate new DeFi protocols into their product. But the best thing about this, and quite frankly, why I'm sharing this on the podcast and with you guys is that this thing is not just for them, it's for everyone. It's for every dApp and wallet developer out there. This thing is completely open source. And so if you're running a wallet or a dApp and you need to integrate DeFi protocols, then this is potentially something you can use. So um, that's the news. Uh, that's a bit about um, what it is. Um, what are your initial thoughts on this, Bryce? Yeah, I think it's it's a uh, it's really interesting uh, to to have a product like this coming out. It's definitely um, becoming more and more of a challenge, uh, just for for you know if you develop a wallet uh, or any application displaying what's in a wallet. Uh, no, you have uh, you can have options in that wallet derivatives. You can have wrap Bitcoin. You can have Adai. Uh, you can have real estate, <laughs> and so the question is, how do you do you fetch all the information and, and display it properly to the end user, and um, without some some uh, intermediaries, some some little like break like this SDK, it means you have to essentially go talk to each individual service, and that's as you were saying a lot of work. So it's definitely welcome, uh, and and it should make it easier to have a broad support of the main um, decentralized finance service in, in the most common uh, Ethereum wallets. Yeah, you're, you're bang on the money there. And I'm sure that there's a lot of unique challenges within Monolith uh, where you guys also face some of the similar issues um, that Xeron is facing. So maybe before we jump into the rest of this story, could you give us some ideas of like how Monolith is approaching the integrations with multiple different protocols? Because obviously uh, Monolith is the DeFi bank of the future. And so you guys are offering some of the similar services that Xeron is, is, is offering as well, but just more for consumer focused uh, people, right? Yeah, definitely. So to be honest with you, the, the, the way we're going to uh, display all the, uh, the information from decentralized finance, I guess we're, we're a bit behind on this front yet. And this is definitely what I'm trying to, uh, to solve now. So I'm glad to see those release uh, because it is, it is a struggle. I just want to clarify for, uh, for the developers that might listen to us. Uh, I don't want to get their hope up too high. Uh, I think right now the SDK gives you read over the 17 services and, 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 and the write, so the ability to actually, you know, perform a transaction on the cable network or, or do interact with those protocol is going to come at a later date. But yeah, that's still uh, a, a very useful uh, building block. Exactly. Yeah, this is kind of the start. This is the V1 of this new SDK, and I'm sure things will kind of progress as they go forward. Yeah, essentially, that's uh, and I guess that's a way to wrap this up. What they propose here with the SDK and, and you know, the, uh, the token adapters and the protocol adapters is essentially a kind of like standardized language for, for DAP interaction. Uh, less than DAP, let's say more just financial services interaction. And so it's a way to, to just have, if everybody can adopt it, the, the integrations of new, uh, new, da, new decentralized uh, finance service in, in, in wallets and apps shouldn't be uh, as much as an issue as it is right now in the future. Exactly, exactly. It's a very exciting future. I think there's a lot of interesting things that are going to be built with this SDK. And so I'm excited to hear more about this. I'm excited to play around with it, check it out. So what we'll do is we'll link up the Discord in case you want to speak to the Zerion team or if you have any questions on it. And we'll link to the blog post that outlines everything we just spoke about um, in terms of the announcement of the SDK. And so, so you can follow up on, on this amazing news. 
so that's the that's the first topic we we covered the zero and SDK I think it's very interesting and um, obviously you can check it out the next topic we're, we're going to cover is the a summary of the attack that recently happened to uh, lend lendf.me happened this week so maybe Bryce you could tell us a bit about what happened and what we can learn from this yeah so um Essentially, there was about a $25 million worth of assets that were uh, able to be drained from the contract. So without getting too much into the technical, we'll give you uh, guys uh, the, the proper resources if you want to dive into this. Um, but essentially, uh, this is what we call a re-entrancy attack. So uh, uh, essentially, the, the person was able to supply withdraw uh, uh, some capital uh, in between a, a, a refresh on the other side. And, and so fooling the system that way uh, as a, a very TLTR. Because again, I think uh, what's interesting here is more what happened after the attack. And I think we, we agree on this, Abel. You want to tell us more? Yeah, yeah. So I guess with all attacks that tend to happen in the DeFi ecosystem, we learn a lot of unique things. You know, there are a lot of common threads between all these different attacks. And I think for me, the, the most important thing, and we've obviously discussed this at great length, is this is now updating our security threat model. So our ability to kind of understand the different attack vectors around these new DeFi protocols. But then also another layer of this is privacy is also a big thing as well. And this is something that we're starting to kind of like get a better understanding of it. I know that Bryce, you've got um, some unique opinions on this. So I don't know if you want to share this with us. Definitely, yeah. So maybe just to add a little more context on the attack follow-up. Uh, so everything is a bit still uh, unclear right now, of course, because those are fresh events. It seems apparent that a one-inch exchange collaborated with DeForce in trying to identify the attacker uh, and, and have him return the funds. Uh, what's a little less clear is whether or not there was uh, an actual involvement of uh, a police authority of uh, uh, the relevant countries. So in that case, that would have been the Singapore police. But uh, sorry, I don't want to give too much uh, details, but essentially this is where the question of, of privacy came from, because with this, this uh, identification of the attacker, done through one inch because he used one inch with uh, the stolen funds. People realize that, you know, when they go on, on different decentralized services, they go on a website and, and that means that there is some data being leaked here, you know, at least your IP and, and, and quite a few other information about your browser, but also potentially if you start uh, uh, using some kind of notification service on this website, for instance, uh, your I email address might also be here. Um, and, and I think that's something not that people didn't know, but, uh, you know, just like the flash loans uh, appearance arrival reminded us of, of the uh, different issues that could be around liquidity and Oracle. I think this is reminding us that, hey, we're still using like web to website to interact with those decentralized uh, services. And there are like serious consequences to that. Yeah, you're, you're 100% right. This is something that, you know, when it comes to the privacy conversation, perhaps doesn't get highlighted as much. You know, a lot of folks talk about 
privacy in terms of having zero knowledge proofs and being able to you know hide your transactions and all of this stuff which is very important but you know that's a very important angle that we i guess tend to not to speak about too much you know the privacy in terms of how we access these things and you're totally right we access these things using a uh, web2 uh, websites at the moment and those web2 websites are able to you know most of them use google analytics and google analytics has some interesting i guess um <laughs> Uh, reflections on your privacy right and you know like you say your ip is is discoverable your email is discoverable um all of this stuff is 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 uh, very important yeah and uh, i guess that's also uh, somehow a, a good connection to the next topic because there is also just the last angle of the the land f attack maybe we haven't mentioned is essentially the project most of you might not heard about it before the the attack because it's, it's it's mostly a, a chinese project and th there are like some uh, allegations or I don't want to I don't want to address the veracity of them stating that their code would be essentially a copy of the compound code. But essentially what it shows here is that the team doesn't seem to be very uh, a sorrow in uh, how they develop their protocol on one hand uh, and, and also just on, on, on making sure the protocol is safe and uh, actually behaves as expected before launching it. Yeah, but we know that one team is definitely a bit more safe when it comes to developing their protocol and, and their new DeFi primitives, and that is Balancer. So I think this is a very interesting one, and I know, Bryce, you have some very interesting views on this. Maybe for the audience who doesn't know what Balancer is, could you first of all tell us what it is, and maybe second of all why it's important? Happy to. So uh, Balancer is, is a, an interesting uh, new kind of, of decentralized exchange protocol, essentially, that um, was released very recently. Uh, so to close the loop on what we were saying with the security, uh, what I really appreciate about Balancer is that they, they actually waited for the audits to be done and everything to be ready to release a protocol to the public. Uh, so I think that's uh, quite a sane behavior uh, uh, that should be a standard uh, even at this point, but that's not the case. So that's, that's worth to be uh, noted. Um, so what Balancer is doing is uh, essentially enabling people to, to easily provide liquidity uh, by using a, a mechanism that, is, uh, that could, could be described as similar to Uniswap, but much more flexible. Uh, and, and the main difference being that where in Uniswap, you, you only have token pairs to, to enable the swap. So you will have ETH on one side and then another token, for instance, DAI, and each at a 50-50 ratio. Uh, Balancer is, is able to support up to eight token, tokens, eight different tokens in a pool with custom ratios. So this enables you to create a new markets that are uh, quite efficient as soon as, as they emerge, essentially, essentially. So we saw it happening, for instance, on the the, bit, the Ethereum Bitcoins, or I don't know how to call them, but you know, with uh, Rap Bitcoin, uh, TBTC, uh, and so on, where a balancer is already being used to, to swap between those different kind of Bitcoins and is providing, providing a, a, a competitive rate there. Yeah, it, that's a very good breakdown of, you know, what Balancer is and, you know, why it's important. I like to think of it in the way that Ryan from Bankless puts it in that Balancer is what you get if Uniswap and SET protocol had a baby. <laughs> and I, I like that way of um, I, I like that way of looking at it. So we've spoken a bit about Balancer and what it is. You know, do you want to touch a bit on, you know, why something like this is important in the ecosystem? 
Yeah, I guess this is a, a bit of a, of a broader topic, but and this goes back also to to another release that is uh, quite similar to uh, Balancer, which is Bank or uh, releasing Katana, which is uh, yeah again something very similar to Balancer. But the main innovation here is that you have an actual uh, a visual interface to to create your pools, and so you can actually like create new markets with no no code at all, which I think is is definitely an interesting addition. So uh, why I think is important and why I brought Bancor, uh, believe me, it's not a parenthesis, it's because I remember Bancor's white paper and, and it was part of Bancor's initial vision. Uh, they were already uh, foreseeing a future where you would have a lot of tokens <laughs> that, that we do have, um, but also they were already seeing this problem of there would be you know, 10, 15, whatever number, but a small share of tokens with a high liquidity and many markets. And then a long trail of token where the liquidity would be more of a problem because they're not on, on 20 exchanges and, and all this kind of thing. And, and so initially, uh, Bancor was really designed for that. And, and I think what we're seeing now with the release of, of Valencia and now the Bancor Katana is kind of a return to the roots, to the, to the origin of that vision. Because indeed, that's, that's a very compelling way to, to, um, to kind of solve or at least provide tools to solve the problem of a liquidity, uh, but especially, again, on those smaller ASC20 tokens. I think this is where I'm going to be like, uh, watching the most closely, you know, the impact of those two releases. Very, that's a very good way to put it. And, you know, coming back to what you were saying about the long tail of tokens with lower liquidity, you're right, there needs to be some sort of infrastructure that allows you to be able to move in and out of those types of tokens. And, you know, it's becoming a more and more fascinating world where you have stuff like Bancor, Balancer, Zero X, um, all of these kind of core pieces that are allowing you to to have that kind of infrastructure. So um, I'm very excited for the future. I think it's going to be an amazing one. I think Balancer is a really cool product. And of, of course, what we'll do is we'll everything that we'll mention will be in the show notes below. So we'll link up everything um, in terms of all the links that we, we discussed. So moving on into the final section of our podcast and the one I think is interesting for folks who just want to kind of keep up with the space and be able to meet other awesome, interesting people is there's a bunch of events that are happening right now of obvious reasons. All of them are online. Um, in this time, I think it's really important to connect with one another and stay in, stay in touch with the community, even if, if it's not physical. So let's, let's highlight some really cool events that are happening in the next couple of weeks. So I'm going to kick this one off with Ready Layer 1, which is happening May the 4th through to the 6th. And it's essentially an interactive, immersive virtual event that has a bunch of talks, workshops, and just general rants by folks in the space, community contributors, stuff like this. You could kind of think about it as like an intersection between a hackathon, a conference, and kind of like a masterclass with a bunch of different people speaking on a bunch of different products. And so this content will essentially allow you to, and it will teach you how to build decentralized applications using the next generation of layer one protocols. You know, stuff like Near Protocol, Cosmos, Polkadot, all of these new layer ones that are coming out pretty soon. Um, they're all coming together to have this conversation and it's happening from May the 4th through to the 6th. It's all online, so we'll put everything in the, in the description below. So uh, you want to take the next one, uh, Bryce? It's Hackathon Money. Oh yeah, that's that's a good one for me. I was just saying you, uh, telling you the other day how I still haven't done any Akaten. That's my dirty confession. Um, so yeah, for those who are like me, uh, I guess you could just try to book your uh, April 24th and, and check out this Akaten. So uh, it, it's actually over 30 days. And, and the idea is to get cracking over uh, DeFi applications. 
so it's organized by the East Global team who was behind uh, the East London you probably heard about. Oh yeah, I heard about that one. I heard it was quite a good hackathon and definitely not biased here. Definitely had zero affiliation with making it a really, really good hackathon. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, obviously very involved in making that um, an awesome hackathon. So yeah, definitely, definitely recommend checking it out if you guys have the chance to. <laughs> if you want to get your foot in the water and, and, and see how, how it's actually happening on the ground. Um, yeah, it's, it's a good... Um, it's a good place to, to check out. Uh, so you want to tell us more about the SAR Summit? I think you've been keeping in touch a bit more with this one, Abel. Uh Yes, I have indeed. So I've uh, I've been keeping up with the Ethereal Summit. I think it's an amazing event that happens. You know, I used to be part of Consensus and they are the folks who actually run the Ethereal Summit. So um, it's happening from the 7th to the 8th of May. This is the first time the Ethereal Summit will ever be virtual. All the other ones have been in person. You know, there was one in Tel Aviv, one in uh, New York and, and places like that. But this one will be virtual and it will be completely free, which is fantastic. So it's essentially a really cool event that brings all of the folks invested in Ethereum, you know, artists, startups, entrepreneurs, investors, and they all come together and they all talk about decentralization, Ethereum and blockchain. And, you know, it's an amazing time to, to meet some of the sharpest minds in the space. So if you have some time and you're free on the 7th to 8th, you know, definitely join the Ethereum Summit. Again, we'll have it in the description below. Now, this next one's quite interesting because we have the host of the event on the podcast. <laughs> uh, Bryce, do you want to tell us a bit about your DeFi panel that you're going to be setting up um, in the next couple of weeks? Definitely, yeah. So uh, in case you guys have, have missed that, uh, Monolisa has started uh, an initiative on the uh, digital meetup scene and we're organizing about one meetup a month now. Uh, and I've been trying to keep a uh, very high quality discussion on, on, on relevant topics. So um, we started with four panels, which was a bit ambitious, but <laughs> definitely interesting. Uh, uh, and then the last edition was a panel on stable coins, uh, if you guys wanna, wanna dive into this. But the next one, uh, DeFi, DeFi, uh, MDFi3, so May the 13th, it's gonna be um, focused on essentially, I want to explore those um, alternative asset classes, as we could call them. Uh, so everything that would be, you know, synthetic assets, derivative options. Um, and I really, uh, I wanted to bring a panel that is really at the forefront of those topics. Uh, so I can already give you uh, some headliner if you want. But uh, yeah, we'll have, uh, if everything can work out, we'll have Kane, the, the founder of synthetics. Uh, and we should have also uh, someone from uh, Barney, probably from the Vega protocol, which is a, a derivative protocol. So uh, I'm already very excited with the two headliners we have. Uh, and I'm trying to um, to find a third person uh, from uh, an insurance uh, uh, company, an option company. So maybe something like Opin uh, to have a, a a perfect vision of the, the whole topic and insightful discussion. There we go. I am super excited for this panel. I was part of the last one on stable coins and we had a fantastic conversation around uh, the different approaches to price stability. So I have no doubts in my mind that this one on derivatives is going to be amazing. So you heard it there from Bryce himself. If you know anyone who is from the open team or if you're on the open team yourself, please do get in touch with us. Um, maybe you can reach out to Bryce. I don't know if you want to, you know, I guess we'll link up your Twitter and in the in the show notes yeah so maybe folks can reach out to you yeah awesome 
Yeah, uh, I guess before we wrap this up, uh, when we're doing the, the highlights of the events, uh, I also wanted to just take a minute uh, to kind of give a shout to community calls, because I think this is something that is a bit overlooked. Uh, and even myself kind of, you know, didn't think so much about it until somehow recently. Uh, and so I just want to invite our listeners uh, to just check out essentially the back office of, the, of their favorite projects, because this is something really unique to, to DeFi. Uh, you can't really go to, you know, the, the community core of JP Morgan to know how they're going to rip you off next quarter. <laughs> uh, but, but you can actually attend, uh, you know, a community core of maker in the middle of the crisis when they had some serious uh, decision and, and a lot of questions from, from the users. So um, I think that's, that's very uh, interesting um, to be able to, to, you know, very easily, you don't have to participate. You can just be a fly on the wall for, for half an hour, 15 minutes to just have an idea of how it's happening. Uh, behind your favorite protocol and i think that's a that's a very uh insightful experience i couldn't agree more i think it's a unique aspect of DeFi, and you know the whole open source ethos that we have in this space where you can connect with anyone and you can get a real insight into the the back office like you say of of many of these projects um so yeah we'll we'll obviously link up everything in the description so you can feel free to go check them out we'll do maker we'll do synthetics we'll do compound we'll do ave some of the most interesting projects in the space and of course so you can join their community calls and you know get a real understanding for what it's like to to be deep in the community of these of these projects so that is it so that concludes the the DeFi weekly catch-up it was an absolute pleasure to have you on board bryce you are a good friend of mine and you know i like talking about DeFi stuff with you so thanks so much for coming on it was a blast it was indeed thank you so much for coming mate i guess that concludes this this episode Again, thank you so much for listening to us. We really appreciate you spending your uh, 30 minutes with us to chat a bit about what's going on in DeFi this week. This is a lot of fun for us to put together. So you're going to hear one every single week for the next couple of weeks. And we hope you guys enjoy these podcasts. So get excited, subscribe to our newsletter. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Abel's Abstracts. Follow Bryce on Twitter at Token Bryce. And we'll see you next week.